I'm going to dive into the message. All right? And we're going to really hit the ground running. I'm, there's a lot that we could spend time on in talking about this message this morning, but I'm not going to do it. We really could string this out and have this be several weeks, maybe uh, a, a type of a series, just this message. But I only want to look at the key principles and how they connect the transition. And, and my context will be my transition and following my dad, but I believe if you ever take over a ministry here or in your in work, if you ever take over a team or if you have taken over a team, you will either relate to this or you have already related to this. I think there's a lot of relevancy for us today, but I'm going to share it from my perspective. Sound good? Last week I talked about Moses and his concern. He started this off. He was getting old. The Lord said, you're going to die, and we're going to have Joshua replace you. And Moses went and did everything that the Lord instructed. There was a time of transition and preparation for Joshua, and then Joshua, ultimately, there was a, a public declaration, a public assembly, and where Moses uh, prayed for Joshua. And the Lord showed up. The Lord manifested there as a pillar uh, for that recognition, for that transition. So that's what the lead-up is to this message, Okay. So last week, I guess you could say, was about succession planning. This week is about the actual move forward. Okay? See the sequence there? Now, <clears throat> I should say, you know what? We're going to dive into the first verse. We're just going to go straight into it. Go ahead. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, here we stop. Remember what we talked about last week. We talked about this whole succession planning, and, and that was it. And then they prayed for Joshua, or Joshua, there's the public declaration, I should say, where Joshua was called out as the leader. But Joshua didn't do anything. He didn't actually lead anything until this moment. This is where it starts. We see this kind of, this thing, this, this type of transition also from Saul to David. David was anointed, but he waited many years before becoming king. Right? Many years. And there was that time where, you know, he had, David actually had a lot of pressure where people would say, hey, David, you know, go get Saul, go kill Saul. David said, no, I'm not messing with the Lord's anointed. I'm not doing it. The Lord put Saul in place. It's not up to me to take him out, even though David had been anointed and king. Joshua, the same thing with Joshua. Moses was still the guy until the Lord kind of hit that green light. And this is where it happened. By the way, speaking of Joshua and Moses, we have a service tonight. <laughs> it has nothing to do with it, really. We have a service tonight. Rosh Hashanah, I want to mention that it's happening at 6 o'clock. I can think of no better time. As I was going through this message, this message to me, I can think of no better time to have a Rosh Hashanah service then during this type of transition, really a time of reflection, there's a time of worship. Rosh Hashanah kicks off 10 days of reflection and looking at what the Lord's doing in our life. I could think of no better time to have the transition service next Saturday at 6 o'clock than right in this time after Rosh Hashanah. So 6 o'clock, it's going to be a great service, chance to worship the Lord, hear good word, good fellowship, and these sorts of things. So anyhow... The first of five principles that I'm going to talk about, if you're succeeding somebody, if you're taking over, if you're moving out into leadership, the first of five principles, and this stands for every, everything that we do here in the kingdom, wait for God's timing. 
don't push. Don't push, don't push, don't push, don't push. David was a wonderful illustration of that. I do not want to push my dad. There's been times where he said to me, he said, uh, you know, Jim, you're taking over. What, you do it. No. You are the man. Have I said that? Many times. I am not the man. Now that all changes next Saturday night. When the prayer is done, he's going to say, Jim, I've got an idea. And I'm going to say, I don't care. You're not the man. I'm just kidding. I won't say that. He is my oversight. He is part of our, our, my alignment and my accountability. So he still will speak into my dad of my life, not just as my dad, but also as my part of my covering. So we can't push anybody out. Now, I think this is a trait for young people. We like to, young people, we, we don't have the time to wait. We want to just get on in there. David was a wise man when he waited for his timing with Saul, and he did it as a young man. Joshua here, we don't know exactly how old Joshua was when he was visited to take over Israel, but the speculation is he was about 80. Orthodox Judaism says that he was 82. I'm not exactly sure where the two came from, but we can say he was about 80 years old. This was not a young man. This was a man who uh, understood waiting. So that's our first principle. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Let's keep reading in the chapter, though. Mike, go ahead. Joshua 1, verse 3. From the wilderness, this is the Lord still speaking, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, those poor Hittites, to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Our second principle in taking over, and second thing that I have clung to, and this is going to sound simple once I articulate this, but I believe the Lord is spelling this out, is that the following leader has different challenges than the first leader. Moses led the exodus. Joshua led the settling. Those are totally different challenges. Think about this. Think about what must have been going on in Joshua's head. I got to tell you, I relate to this. Joshua learned many, many things from Moses about exodusing, didn't he? Many, many years in the desert, in the wilderness, following the Lord, learning how to manage a people group of hundreds of thousands of people as they move from one spot to another spot. Moses, learned, or Moses did that. Joshua learned it very, very well. But none of it mattered going into the land. Well, very little of it mattered. That's something to think about, isn't it? It's like when somebody is in a ministry in the nursery and they learn the nursery very very well but now they're needed in another area they're needed on part of the the sound team what how does that translate joshua that's the experience joshua went through it's important for me to remember, and i got to tell you, I, I have clung to this. I've thought of all the things my dad's taught me, and I think, praise God, I've learned so much. But where am I going to need it, and what am I going to need of what he's taught me? So I'm going to have to hold that stuff at different points and at different principles and learn to apply those. But I know the things that we're going to go into here at Grace Christian Fellowship, some of them will be new. They won't be what we've always done. Isn't that heavy? That's heavy. It's heavy to me. It scares the stuffing out of me. Now, if you said, 
Jim, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do exactly what your dad said. Okay, I'm good. I'll mimic him. But that's not how the Lord operated through Joshua. And we see the same type of thing between David and his son Solomon. David had too much blood in his hands. David was a warring leader. When Solomon took over, Solomon built the temple. He's known for his work with the temple, not for taking the land. David for resettling the land. Two very different things. So we see this in our own life. The third principle, well, we'll keep reading in the chapter. We'll skip a couple verses here. Go ahead, Mike. Be strong and courageous, the Lord says, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. Boy, that's something. For you shall cause this people. For you shall cause. Could you imagine that burden on him? For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. So, Joshua, be courageous. Be very courageous. Follow the law that Moses gave you. Now, we read this. Probably many of us have read this many times or heard this in messages. Be strong and courageous. Follow the Lord. It's an it's a often quoted verse. But let's stop for a minute and think of how loud this may have sounded to Joshua. Remember why Joshua was taking over. Because Moses himself hadn't followed everything that was right. Moses himself had messed up. And Joshua was being inserted to take over. So when the Lord said, don't mess up, Moses had a living illustration of, of Joshua had a living illustration of his leader. So the message to me is, my dad's messed up. I'm teasing, I'm absolutely, he's not, this is a different type of transition, but when the Lord says, do this, it is a good thing to remember that we can mess up. We can't take these things lightly. We have got to follow the Lord in things. Very important. Very important. You hear about these people in ministry who have tumbled out of ministry. They have taken their eyes off of the Lord. Sometimes whole congregations have just veered into craziness. How many of you have heard of those types of things? Where the leader has just kind of gone a little haywire, walked away from the concepts and the principles in the Bible. This is a wonderful reminder. Now, this is one that resonates with me. This is the one I pray through more than anything. I want to follow the Lord. I want what he has. I can't imagine doing things without the Lord. In your ministry, you ministry heads, it's the same thing. If you're faithful in ministry, it's the same thing in your home. Have you ever seen a family just kind of veer away from the Lord? Yeah. It's the same concept. They've walked away from those biblical principles. If they've walked with the Lord, they just veer away. So it's good to remember that. Our next instruction. Go ahead, Mike. We'll read on. Joshua chapter 2. Now, remember, Joshua's taken over. And he says, And Joshua the son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shechem as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. He's taken over. 
His first act is to send two men to go spy the land. Now, he does tell the people, before he gets the spies, he does tell the people, get ready, we're going to move on in three days. But then he finds two spies to secretly spy. Now, I like this word secretly. There was another time where Joshua himself was one of 12 spies. But in this case, he just gets two spies. Now, I wonder, in Joshua's frame of mind and Joshua's thinking, I wonder why he didn't send his whole army to just go crush Jericho. He had hundreds of thousands of people. But we see prudence in Joshua. He didn't just charge in. The Lord had said, I'm with you. The Lord didn't tell him how to go take Jericho. Joshua just didn't. He was prudent. You know, in taking on a ministry, we can just charge into something. Let's go get it. We can do it all at once. But if the Lord's not in it, what is it? You know, right? We want to be cautious with the Lord, but we also just want to be prudent people. Joshua was extremely prudent. He sent two, and he kept them a secret. This is a secret. So he brought back their report. He made his decisions based off their report. And I think, and this is, now I'm going to tell you speculation, okay? I want to say this, make this clear. This is my own supposition. I don't, the Bible doesn't say this. But I believe that Joshua will learn a lot from how Moses sent out the 12 spies. The 12 spies came back to the camp, and there was a lot of craziness from their reports. And it spread through the camp because, he sent, because Joshua himself sent out two secretly. There wasn't that same buzz when they came back. He was able to talk, talk to them, and the people didn't have any arguing amongst them. I think Joshua learned a lesson from his predecessor that he was able to apply here. I don't know that for sure, but we do know that he was prudent. I want to be prudent. Do you want to be prudent? I can't imagine. And finally, the last principle. Go ahead, Mike. Here we are. Joshua 4, verses 1 through 3 and 6 through 7. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bringing them over with you, and lay them down in the place that you lodged tonight. So they had crossed the Jordan. The Lord had parted the waters. And what had happened, the priests had brought the Ark of the Covenant first, and when the Ark of the Covenant hit the water, when the priest's foot hit the water, the water parted in the Jordan, and then they walked through on dry land. A tremendous, tremendous miracle. So the Lord's saying, take a rock from the river, to the place where you lodge at night, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do the stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. So they took these 12 stones where they slept that night and they made a pile of them. And I can't imagine that they were overly large stones because one man had to carry the stone himself. But it's a pile of rocks, a memorial of rocks, to remind all the people and the children and their childrens for all ages what the Lord had done in the Jordan. Our fifth and final purposeful plan, and the thing that I need to remember is there are times we need to have memorials to the Lord, things to help us remember. Memory reminders for this are common for us here. We have wedding rings. What is that? It's a reminder. We have holidays, birthdays, anniversaries, reminders. 
Phyllis Diller. Some of you remember Phyllis Diller. She's passed away. She was an old-time comedian. She used to say, you know, that she would she wanted to try out for Helen Keller's part in a movie, but she couldn't remember the lines. Come on, that was a little funny, right? <laughs> we need to remember all kinds of things. Here's a tidbit for you men. If you want to remember your wife's birthday, just forget one. <laughs> I'm just having fun. But we need to remember all kinds of things to remember. If we remember an anniversary or a birthday, how much greater is it to remember what the Lord has done for us? Every time, when I stop and pause and I think in this building, the physical space that we have, it's a miracle. How we've been able to pay for things here, how God has brought in and provided, it is a miracle. One of the things I do on a regular basis when I'm cutting through the building during the week and I'm going different places is I, is I go by a ministry, a space, ministry space, I pray for the ministry. So if I walk across this, the room, for example, I'll stop and I'll pray for the musicians. If I get in the back, I pray for a media team or the sound team. I'll pray for POGS, which means on Wednesday nights or in Sunday school, I pray for our youth group. So in different ministries, nursery, different times, I pray for all these types of things. And then it gets me to think, I remember it. Look at how God provided for this. Look at how God provided for that. Look at who's leading this ministry and how God's worked through them. Look at who's working in this ministry and how God's working through them. There will be times moving forward that we will dedicate a time and we will say, God has done this. God has done this, whatever this is. God has provided for us in this way. God has provided in that way. God has wrought a miracle with us. And we will share testimony. But we will have, moving forward, just a time to remember. And that's what leadership is. To call to remember. Don't you agree? I am very nervous. Because I don't want to walk wrong with God. I don't want to lead you in a wrong way. I want to honor the Lord. And I want to honor your time in following the Lord. So it's important for me to make sure that I, I do right to the best of my ability in following the Lord. And just being your friend. I want to do a good job. I'm excited about what the Lord's got for us. We've been walking in this vision now for years and kind of the refocus vision for just a few years. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about being multi-generational, transgenerational. I like it. I'm glad that we're not a church of just young people. I'm glad we're not a church of just middle people. I'm glad we're not a church of just senior people. I am. That's boring. I don't want to do that. I love the call that God's placed in us. I love our home groups. I think our relationship with Beth Messiah is amazing. It is. I'm excited about it. These are wonderful things. I have a lot of learning ahead of me. If you've been around for a while, you know that. I'm going to need your advice at times. There's going to be times where I'm going to say, stop. Okay, I got it. That's enough advice. I'm dependent on our elders here, our deacons, our ministry heads, those of you co-labor in our body ministry format. We need each other. I'm excited about these things. I'm not here because I'm just stepping in so my dad can go. I'm here because I want to be, because I believe I'm called to be. And as he steps out, there's an opening. Last week, I talked a lot about him. 
didn't I? This week, I want it to be about us. So moving forward, you know the way I'm wired. You know where my thinking is. You know the five areas that I'm going to keep going back to. I have reminders of these things. I have reminders of the things that God's laying out. If you're ever in my office, you see three gears in the walls. Those gears mean something to me. I have reminders for these five things. So this is what I believe in. If you say, well, Jim, I don't know what you feel about this or about that. Well, then they come and ask me. They didn't make my top list. That's all. Jim, are you going to vote Republican or Democrat? Neither. I go communist. <laughs> By the way, I don't vote communist. I just want to be clear for the audience. Like I said, some things didn't make my top list, but these are the five. When I think of succeeding and transitioning behind my dad, who's been very successful for a number of years, I'm going to focus on these five. And I'll do that through the vision that God's given us here at Grace Christian Fellowship. I'm very excited for us to see what God does. I really am. What is God going to do here? What is God going to do with us? What is he going to do with you? What he does with you is going to build me. Really. Your iron in your life will encourage me and sharpen my iron. And what he does with you in your life and your ministry and your faithfulness is going to build me. What is he going to do with us as a congregation? I don't know. We've gone through the Exodus. What is in the new land for us? It's not better. It's just different. What's he going to do? Are you excited? I have no idea what it means. I can't tell you to pack your items. We're moving in three days, and then we're going to cross a river. It's not going to be that tangible, right? Crossing a river, watching the river part. But I can tell you that God's in it. That God is in it. I appreciate us. I appreciate the vision. I appreciate the relationships here. I'll also appreciate the food next week at the transition service. I appreciate the faithfulness for my dad and mom for all these years. We wouldn't be here. I would be living in Anchorage, Alaska. We wouldn't have left. That's a head trip to think about, isn't it, Leah? I appreciate my wife. I wouldn't be here if my wife didn't want to be here. I've shared this before. When we were dating, I said, I knew that the Lord had called me to be a pastor. And I was, when I was young, I knew that. We were having breakfast at Perkins in Minnesota, and I thought, i got to pop the question. So, how do you feel about marrying a pastor? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's okay, I guess. Okay, that door didn't shut. <laughs> that's, that's really how I took it. So I'm grateful for my wife. She's the one who uh, has enabled me to grow in this. She's given me latitude at home, and she's behind me all the way. And she's good looking. Like win, win, win. My kids, being the type of kids that could let me be a pastor, that is a challenge. I'm grateful for them. It's difficult being a PK. Some of you know that. There's blessings to it, too. 
Don't let anybody tell you it's only bad. It's not all bad. There's some good things to it. You're at every church function. That's good and bad. Some you don't want to be at, some you want to be at. You get to meet all kinds of people. You're at all the church functions first, which means you usually get first dibs on food. Anyhow, I'm thankful for all these things. I really am. I'm excited to see what God does with us. If you don't see how you fit in this moving forward, I'm going to challenge you to just hang around and be faithful because you will see. That is how God moves. He doesn't leave anybody behind. We can't read in, in scriptures where, you know, the Goldstein family was left behind in the desert because they got lost. Nobody is going to get left behind here. The Spirit's at work in all of us. So, please stand up. Remember, Rosh Hashanah service tonight, 6 o'clock, and then next Saturday at 6 o'clock is our transition service. Ooh. Lord God, we thank you for your continued work in our lives, individually and congregationally, Lord. And it's amazing how you all pull us to the same place. You pull us to a greater understanding of you, and we get closer together simply by serving you. It's an amazing thing that you do. We thank you for this, Lord. We thank you for the calling that you have in all of us to move us forward deeper along the way that in life, Lord, deeper along the way in your word. Lord God, we pray for clarity for all of us in answering the call, clarity in knowing your voice from life distractions. But we do thank you for the example of Joshua. We appreciate the good man, the righteous man that he was, Lord. Thank you for that. Pray for a good week safety for everybody here Lord good service tonight where we can find you in a fresh way thank you for everything Lord. in Jesus name Amen may the Lord bless you and keep you may he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you may he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace